Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I pray that uh, that would be the goal of our life this year and in and every year to put Christ first in our life, to seek Him first and foremost. And when we do that, everything we need, all, everything will fall into place in our lives. God is faithful and His, His Word is true and His promises are true. Turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And while you're finding your place there, I want to share something um, that I wanted to close with this morning, but our time was just gone and so I saved it for tonight. I read this description of the Bible in the introduction to the MacArthur Study Bible. There's a whole section on how we got the Bible and other things in the introduction. And a wonderful description is given about the Bible. And if you have a MacArthur Study Bible, you'll have to look this up. It's a keeper. It's one that you'll want to uh, go too often and be reminded of the value of the Word of God in the life of a believer. Here's the description. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and happiness of believers. Its doctrine is holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be saved, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here heaven is open, and the gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is the grand subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. We should feel the memory... It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it, read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, health to the soul, and a river of pleasure. It is given to you here in this life, will be opened at the judgment, and is established forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its contents. What a great description we have there of the Word of God. And as we emphasize the Bible, God's holy Word, during this coming year, let us together read the Bible. Remember, read it, believe it, and live it. Say that with me. Read it, believe it, live it. All right, that's what we want to do this year. Now let's read together. Luke chapter 10, and I want to begin in verse 38. <clears throat> this is a familiar story in the life of Jesus. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were siblings, sisters, brother. Lazarus is not mentioned here, but you have Mary and Martha. and Jesus was uh, often a guest in their home, and this is one of those occasions. Now, as they were traveling along meaning the disciples, he entered a certain village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. 
And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really, only one, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, we open your word tonight to hear from you. We come to sit at your feet. We come to hear your voice. We come, Father, seeking your your will and your way. Lord, we want to draw near to you. And your word tells us if we draw near to you that you will draw near to us. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts during this time of opening the word of God together. And I pray that you'd speak to our hearts in the weeks and days, weeks and months ahead as we read through the Bible, as we meditate upon it, ponder the truths that are contained therein that it surely, Lord, would be that compass and that guide and that light that we need in our lives, that it would nourish us and make us to be strong spiritually. Lord, I pray that at the end of this year we would look back and see that we've uncovered so many wondrous truths in the Word that perhaps we've overlooked before, perhaps we've not fully understood, that you give us understanding, give us knowledge, give us spiritual understanding as we go through your word, and as we soak it up and saturate our minds with it. Now tonight, Father, I pray you remind us of the importance of the, the most important thing, the one thing that is above all else in our Christian walk, and without it, we are weak spiritually. And I pray, God, that your spirit would speak to our hearts tonight, remind us of things that we already have known in the past, but we need to have fresh and new in our lives tonight. And I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. There was a national conference for Christian leaders that was, uh, there were Christian workers, staff members from all across our nation gathered together at this particular conference seminar. And there was a survey taken. And one of the questions that they were asked on that survey was, what will you be ashamed of when you get to heaven? What will you most be ashamed of when you get to heaven? And what will you wish that you had changed? The overwhelming response was this, my personal devotional life. Christian workers, many in full-time Christian ministry, said that when they get to heaven, the thing that they will most be ashamed of is their devotional life, or lack thereof is a better way of describing it. Personal devotional life. It is so easy to get caught up in ministry. It is so easy to get caught up, even as a person that's not in full-time ministry, to be caught up in the busyness and hurriedness of life, all the responsibilities that we have, whether it be work, family, our hobbies that we always make way and room for in our lives. And, And so when we come to the end of our life and we go to be with the Lord, I pray that we will not have to be ashamed, that we will have walked with Him, that we will have sat at His feet, have listened to Him, and have worshipped Him, even as Mary did in this passage of Scripture. So our focus of the Word of God in 2011 is for the purpose of really drawing us back into a closer fellowship with the Lord, a regular fellowship with the Lord. Daily hearing His voice, daily 
letting Him speak to us through the Word of God. If you haven't picked up your Bible reading plan, uh, they are in the cross hall behind me here. And I will say again, there's, uh, there's two versions. Um, one is, you'll see that's on a blue card and a gray card. And there are, there are four passages to read each day. You don't just read one card or the other. But if you're doing it with your family plan, you read two chapters personally and then two chapters with your family member or members. But if you're doing it all privately, then you read all four chapters and you'll find those on your card. If you need a little bit uh, larger print of this, we have these sheets also. It contains two months at a time, and so you'll pick one up every couple of months. And the date of the month is listed right in the very center column, so don't let that throw you off. You've got January 1 and right down, on down all the way through the end of the month and into February and continues February on the back. So we're starting out in Genesis 1 and Matthew 1, Ezra 1, and Acts 1. Today was actually the second chapter of those four books. Tomorrow would be the third chapter of those four books. And I pray that as you read through the Bible, that you would listen for God to speak to you. Ask God to, to speak to you. Ask Him to give you understanding. Ask Him to give you appropriate application in your own life of the truth contained therein. And I encourage you not to, di not to get discouraged, not to become, uh, not to feel that if you don't, if you get behind one day or two days or even several days, don't give up. You pick up where you can. You go back if you can and make up for the lost days. If you can't, just pick up at, at the point where we're on schedule and just continue going forward. The, imp the important thing is to begin to establish a pattern of entering into the presence of God through fellowship, through the Word of God, and through prayer. I want us to look at this passage tonight and see, first of all, the purpose of fellowship with God. And we see this in verse 39. It says, uh, it's talking about 38 and 39. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, every, every day during this year, we're going to be welcoming the Lord into our home anew, afresh. Now, he's there already, but we're just welcoming him. We're letting him know that we're glad he's there and that we're glad he's in our life. And we are developing a personal relationship with the Lord through fellowship with him. Martha welcomed Jesus into their home. And she had a sister, Mary. And Mary was listening to the Lord. She was, she was seated at his feet. That's a great place to be, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to listen to his word, to listen to his teaching, to worship him. Her sitting there was, was involving worship. It was involving hearing what Christ had to say. It was interacting with him and probably having conversation with him also. And so we see the aspect of the Word of God, prayer, fellowship with the Lord, all woven together in this scene. The Bible tells us that, we, that our purpose is to know God. Our purpose is to know Him and to make Him known to others. We were created for the pleasure of God, Revelation 4.11 tells us. In Philippians 3.10, the Bible says that I may know Him 
and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings and, and being conformed or being conformed to His death. Paul's drive and his purpose and his goal was that he would know Christ intimately, that he would know Him uh, he would know his character, his attributes, that he would know his desires and what would please him, that he would know his mission and be involved in that mission. I shared with you a little formula one time, and I'll, I'll say it again tonight. If we seek God, we will know God. If we know God, we will trust God. If we trust God, we will love God. And if we love Him, we'll obey Him. So there's a pattern here. There's a progression. Seek God, you'll know Him. Know Him, you will trust Him. Trust Him, you will love Him. And love Him, you will obey Him. Think about it. Those of you who are married tonight or have perhaps your spouse is with the Lord, but um, looking back on those years that you were married, think about how did you get to know your spouse? Started out by a dating or a courtship relationship. Maybe it was just going over and hanging out at, at your spouse's family's home. That's how a lot of people begin their, their dating process. You just go over and hang out. Especially that's what it used to be. More and more uh, people tend to go other places, but just spending time with a person, whether it be in their home or whether it be uh, driving somewhere in the car or whether it be uh, just out on a date or out to eat or whatever it might be, the way you got to know your spouse was by spending time with them. And when you can't, can't, could not be with them in that early time of getting to know them before you actually were married, uh, when you couldn't be with them, what were you doing? Talking on the phone. Or maybe in this day, maybe you were emailing or texting in constant communication because you want to be with that person and when you can't, can't be with them, you want to be in touch with them and commune with them and you use the means available. And for many people, it's that telephone. I can remember when Brenda and I were dating, I would spend, uh, we would spend sometimes hours on the phone talking to one another. When we weren't together, we were on the phone and we would talk. And I'd have to go down in our basement to get on our phone. And that way my father wouldn't know when, I, when we started talking and how long we'd been talking. Some of y'all look like you're warm. Are you a little bit warm? All right. I don't think it's going to come on, but we'll make sure it doesn't uh, come on too warm. And so the way you, we got to know each other was by talking to one another, communicating with each other. You, you get to know what they like and what they don't like. You get to know them as a person. You get to know everything about them by spending time. That's how we get to know God is by spending time with Him. The purpose of fellowship with God is to enjoy the presence of God, to enjoy being in His presence, experiencing His presence. It's more than just a discipline. It's more than just a habit. As we read Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, and we're going to sing a song from this scripture at the close of the service tonight. The Bible says, As the deer pants for water, Psalm 42, As the deer pants for water, or the water brooks, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. The psalmist here is describing his thirst for God, his longing for the presence of God and, of, and the fellowship of God. He compares it to a deer that's been running through the forest. 
And once he comes to the brook, he stops to drink, to quench his thirst. And in the same way the psalmist said, My heart pants for you, O, o, o Lord, and my soul thirsts for God. And then he calls him the living God. God is a living God. He's real. He's personal. He wants a relationship with us. And so we, the purpose of fellowship is to know God. And it's to enjoy God and experience His presence. And the purpose of fellowship with God is to bless the heart of God. Oftentimes we look at worship, for instance, where we come to be blessed. We want to be blessed by a sermon. We want to be blessed by music. But you know the real purpose for coming into, into a time of corporate fellowship or personal fellowship with God? It's not so much for us to get a blessing, but it is for us to be a blessing to God. And when you, your goal is to bless the Lord, bless Him with your praises, bless Him with your time, bless Him with your devotion. When you do that, then you will be satisfied in the deepest way. When you set your heart on being a blessing to God, to bless His name, praise Him, and just spend time alone with Him, you will be satisfied. I shared with you a story some years ago about Thomas Carlyle, who was a famous writer. He lived from 1795 to 1881. He was a man that loved his wife dearly. Uh, she helped her husband in his writing career in, in a lot of different ways. But then she became ill with cancer and was confined to bed. Thomas Carlyle loved his wife, and, and sometimes he would go and stay at her bedside, but not nearly as often and not near, nearly as long as he surely wished that he had. The time came when finally she succumbed to that disease, and she went on to be with the Lord. <clears throat> the day of her burial, it rained that day, and it was uh, at the cemetery, it was a, a wet, muddy mess when they laid her body to rest. After the, the graveside, he went back to his house and he went to the bedroom where his wife was confined to bed. And he just sat in a chair by the bed because he wished he had spent more time with his wife. He was busy with his writing, busy doing things that were good things, but he realized that he had not spent the time that he had desired with his wife during these years that she was confined. As he sat there in a chair by her bed, he noticed a book on the table, the bedside table. It was a diary, and he picked up that diary and he began to read. And here's what he read. It just struck his heart. It, 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 it just pierced his heart. In one page she wrote, Yesterday he spent an hour with me, and it was like being in heaven. It was like being in heaven, she said. I love him so. Then he turned the page, and this time his heart was broken, for she had written, I have listened all day to hear his steps in the hall, but now it is late, and I guess he won't come today. Carlisle threw the diary to the floor, and he rushed back to the cemetery. It was still raining. He fell face down in the mud by her graveside, and he wept because he realized how much she longed for him to come and just spend time with her and sit by her bedside and, and talk to her and fellowship with her. And she had neglected, he had neglected that so often. You know, we do the same thing. We neglect God. We neglect our fellowship with him, our quiet time with him, or some call it our priority time with him. 
We neglect it. And we are not just neglecting a discipline. We're not just neglecting a sheet of paper that gives us a schedule for reading. But we are actually neglecting fellowship with our Heavenly Father who created us, who has redeemed us, and who loves us very much. And so desires our undivided attention as we come before His presence. So the purpose of fellowship with God is that we might know Him, that we might experience His presence in a personal way, and that we might bless Him, that we would bless Him as we give Him our adoration and praise and our priority time. But secondly, in this text, I want you to see the priority of fellowship with God. Not only the purpose, but the priority. And we see this in verse 42. And I'll pick up in, in, in uh, I'll, I'm going to start in 40 and read forward. But Mary was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. And I'll come back to that verse in just a moment. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, are you worried and bothered about so many things? Or not are you, he states that she is. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. You know, that's a pretty good description of us sometimes. We're worried about other things. We're busy about other things. We're distracted about other things. But we see the priority here is in verse 42, but only a few things are necessary. Really, only one. He narrows it down to one thing that's really the most important. He says, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So Mary's complaining that she's having to do all the work and Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus talking to him and she's in the kitchen slaving away. And yet Jesus commends Mary rather than Martha. He commends Mary because she's doing the one thing that's the most important. She's fellowshipping with me. She's sitting at my feet. She's listening to me. She's communicating with me. She is fellowshipping with me. You know, this was important in the life of Jesus. Fellowship with the Father was a priority with Jesus Christ. For instance, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, I'll just give you several examples of Christ and how his time alone with the Father was so important to him in his life. Mark 1.35, And in the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. Jesus was often pressed by the crowds. He, had, he was a busy person. Can you imagine the number of sick people that were brought to him, the, the number of people that uh, wanted to come to him and ask him theological questions, that wanted to um, uh, discuss things with him, get his opinion about things? And so for him, he had to find those quiet times where he could get away by himself and be alone with the Lord. And he chose the early morning. For many people, we find that if we don't get alone with God in the early morning, we find our day wasted away with all the things that pull on our time and we come to the end of the day and we have not spent time with the Lord in fellowship with Him. So Jesus put a priority in His life. He would draw aside to, with God the Father early in the morning while it was still dark, before the sun even came up. 
And he would go to a lonely place. He had a place of seclusion, a place where he could be by himself, and he would pray there. We look also at another uh, scripture, Mark chapter 6, verse 46. In Mark chapter 6, verse 46, the Bible says, And after bidding them farewell, he departed to the mountain to pray. Here Jesus is going to the top of the mountain. He's going to a place to pray alone where he won't be disturbed by others. And we see that for Jesus, prayer was important. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But he himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Again, we see a statement showing us that Christ put prayer with God the Father as a very high priority. Remember, he was God the Son. He's praying to God the Father. When we see Jesus praying to God, he is, we see the, the human aspect of Christ. As he is praying to the Father, he knows that the fellowship with the Father is important. And then one other, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. And it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. The whole night, not just five minutes, not in just 10 minutes or 15 minutes. He spent the entire night in prayer. Oftentimes our prayers are pretty much focused on a few basic needs that we have. Sometimes we rattle off a rote prayer. Sometimes we just, uh, in our hurried busyness, we just say some general prayer. But Jesus would take time to spend, to linger in prayer with the Lord. So as we think about 2011... Let us be reminded of the priority of fellowship with God. The priority of fellowship with God. As I said this morning, Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In 1 Corinthians 1, 9, the Bible says that God is faithful through whom we were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God has called us into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He's called us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's to be a, if for a relationship to be a relationship, you can't just go, go throughout your day and ignore the person that you're supposed to have a relationship with. What if you spend a day with your wife somewhere doing something she enjoys, whether it's going on a hike or going on a bicycle ride or going to the mall or, or, or just spending time hanging out together and you never said anything to her. Or a wife never said anything to her husband. You were just there in each other's presence but you never said anything. That wouldn't be very good fellowship, would it? A, very, a relationship wouldn't be built. Relationships are not built on silence. They're built on communication. In Exodus 16.31, the Bible says, like manna, the word must be received daily. You, know, you remember the children of Israel, when they were going in the wilderness, God provided manna for them, but they had to go out and get it each day. They had to get enough for that day. They couldn't, they couldn't, the only time that they gathered for two days was when it was the, the the day before the Sabbath day, and they gathered enough on the, on the day before the Sabbath for that day and for the Sabbath day. 
But every other day, they had to go and get the fresh manna. In the same way, we can't depend on what we read in the Bible when we were 10 years old or, when, or 10 years ago or 5 years ago or last year. We, we need fresh, a fresh word from God on a daily basis. And so the priority of fellowship, it is God said to, to Martha that what Mary did was foremost. It was the one thing that was the most important. He said only a few things are necessary, but really only one thing. One thing, and that is fellowship with the Lord. Probably a couple of times I've shared with you the story about the conference leader who was speaking to a group of people and he was wanting to make a point and he gave an illustration. He had a wide mouth, large jar. And he had a pile of rocks that you could grasp in your fist. And he had his class to try to guess how many of those large rocks would fit into that large, wide mouth jar. And so they all began to give their number. And so he began to then put them in one by one. And when he got it filled to the top, he says, is the jar full yet? And they said, yes, it's full. He said, well, I've got some more things to put in this jar. And he pulls out some pebbles, some real, very small, tiny rocks, and he begins to pour those in the jar. And they filter down among the between the big rock, bigger rocks until the jar is to the top. And he said, is the jar filled now? And they said, yep, jar's filled. He said, well, I've got something else to put in the jar. And he pulls out a, little, a sack of sand and begins to pour that sand into the jar. And it filters down in between those pebbles and rocks until it comes up to the brim of the jar. And he says, is the jar filled now? And they said, Yes, uh, surely it's filled now. He said, well, I've got something else to put in the jar. And he gets a container of water and begins to pour that water in. And that water goes to all the spaces in that jar until the water comes up to the brim. Then the jar was full. Now here's the point. He said, if I had put, he said, if I had not put the large rocks in first, I would have never been able to get that many rocks into the jar. If you put the water and the sand and the pebbles in first, then those, all those rocks wouldn't have gone in. He had to put the, the large rocks in first so that there was room for, and then there was room for everything else. And the point of his illustration was priorities. We have to keep first things first. That's why I've entitled my message, uh, First Things First. That if we don't put into our, build into our schedule and our lives the things that are the most important, then there won't be room for, every, for those things. If we let everything else that we want to put into our lives and our schedule during the day, if we put all those things in, there won't be room for the Lord. There won't be room for the fellowship with Him and the most important things. So we must evaluate our priorities and we must balance our priorities and we must forever be adjusting our priorities so that we keep the main thing the main thing. The foremost things foremost in our lives and that is fellowship with God, worshiping Him, sitting at His feet, hearing Him, communing, communing with Him and drawing from Him the strength that we need 
as we fellowship with Him. So we've looked at the purpose of worship. We've looked at the priority of fellowship with God, the purpose of fellowship, the priority of fellowship. But then I want you to see the peril or danger, the peril of hindered fellowship with God. What are, what are the things that if we're not careful, we will let hinder our fellowship with God? Go back to verses 40 and 41 again. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted with all her preparations. There is a danger that we will let distractions hinder us from our fellowship with God. Most of us have jobs. We have to get to our jobs. We have to do our work. How do, how do we... How do we manage? How do we schedule in time with the Lord? We get up early. We've got to be, be at our job early. There are folks who leave early in the morning to get to a 7 o'clock job. And so to get up in time, to do all the preparation, getting ready, getting some food for breakfast, how do you work in the time for spiritual things? Well, that's something that you have to determine in your life. As you look at four chapters of the Bible, you say, I just don't see how I have time to spend an hour with God reading four chapters of the Bible and praying and, and meditating on those scriptures. I don't see how I have time to do that in the morning. Well, you've got to plan your day. How are you going to do it? For some people, some people take their lunch time and get alone by themselves and they read the Word during their lunch hour. Some people only have a half an hour at lunch. Some people uh, get up an extra 30 minutes or an extra hour in the morning. You know what you have to do in order to do that? You have to go to bed a half or an hour earlier or an hour earlier in the evening time if you're going to get up earlier. Something has to go out of your schedule in order to add something in. And maybe you can't get all four chapters done. Maybe you can only get four done in the morning and the other three in the evening or at some point during the day that you would plan your day. But we need to, to start somewhere in a positive measure of trying to give priority to the Word of God and not let the busyness of life and all the things that we have to do distract us from fellowship with God. Martha was distracted by serving service to God. You know, it's easy for us as church workers and and, and leaders in the church to, to be distracted by our work that we do for the Lord. We get so busy doing this and serving in this ministry and this ministry and this ministry, and we're always giving out, giving out, giving out, serving, 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 but we don't have time to spend in filling our, being nourished spiritually so that our service can be rendered in the power of the Spirit and so that our service can be productive. And Service is never a substitute for personal fellowship with God. I don't care how much service you do, how many committees you're on, how many ministries you're involved in. If you don't have time to spend time with God, then your service, you're like Martha. You're missing the best thing. You're leaving out the best thing, the most important thing, as Jesus mentioned in this passage. So think about the things that distract us the things that rob us of our time and sometimes waste our time. You can spend hours at a time surfing the Internet. I mean, hours 
It's a, it's a world of knowledge out there. And, 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 and it's, the Internet's good and computer is good. But, if, but you can get so distracted by it that it can consume your day, consume your evening, or consume your morning. A lot of folks do Facebook and manage to kind of give a little diary each day of what their life has been like. And I know my wife enjoys getting on Facebook uh, in the evening most of the time, but even throughout the day. And she'll put things on and she'll read what others have written and she kind of keeps me abreast. We keep up with people all over the world. We've got many missionary friends in many parts of the world. We've got people that serve in military, are scattered uh, all over the world from where we knew them in Florida. But if all those things, whether it be internet or whether it be TV, you know, you, you can spend a lot of hours watching television. And we say, well, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to spend time with God. Well, we have to make time. To make time, you leave something off. You carve out some time by, by eliminating some time that you're spending on something else in order to make the time for what is the most important. So there's the peril of, of hinder, hindered fellowship with God, letting the cares of this world, uh, the deceitfulness of riches and pursuing those things, the desire for other things, whether it be our hobbies or whether it be just business in general, we need to eliminate those distractions in order to prioritize time with God. And then let me just finally give you some practical tips for fellowship with God. Just some very practical things. Number one is set aside, set aside a specific time and a specific place for your daily fellowship with God. It might be in an office in your home. I know a man that traveled a lot in his work and he had a business uh, partner that was traveling with him and they normally shared motel rooms in order to cut down on expenses and for him to get up when he had another person in a one room hotel room he would go in the bathroom early in the morning shut the door, turn the light on and have a quiet time with God to, to be undistracted he found a way to have that undivided uninterrupted time with the Lord. 30 minutes is a good start goal. An hour uh, is a good time. And you say, well, I don't have that much time. Well, listen, start with 15 minutes. Start somewhere. I know back in when I was 27 years old and first started the, the, the practice of spending time in fellowship with God, I started out with 15 minutes. Before long, I realized that wasn't near enough. I just, there was so much I wanted to say to God and I was learning so much from the word that I wanted to spend longer. So then it became 30 minutes. And then, and then before long, it was, I said, I've got to set aside an hour so that I have time to be in the word and to be able to have time to pray over those things that are needs in, in my life and the things that I'm asking God to do. So prioritize time. Set aside a place and set aside time. It might be your easy chair. It might be uh, in your bedroom just uh, uh, by yourself while, while others in the house are getting ready or whatever. It may be getting up before anybody else is even awake in your home and finding a quiet place, have a lamp turned on, and a place to be alone with the Lord. 
It might be in the evening time. That might be your best time of the day. Some people are more alert and their best times in the evening. Other, other people uh, early in the morning. But I'm saying if you put it off to the end of the day, you better make sure you don't let those other things crowd out that time. For Jesus, it was early in the morning. So make it a priority. Don't, don't let it be your leftover time. Let it be your, your best time when you're alert. There was a time in my life when I used to, when I was really young, and I used to do it the last thing at night before I went to bed. I would just grab my Bible, open it up, read a few verses, close it. I've done my daily Bible reading. And I was doing it out of obligation. I was doing it so when I came to church training on Sunday nights and we had to fill out a little card and it said, have you done your daily Bible readings? I could check yes. Well, I had done it in the letter of the law, but I surely had not done it in the spirit of the law. And I couldn't tell you probably what I'd even read. I was doing it to check a box. Listen, it's not about checking a box. It's about a personal relationship with the Lord. Come into God's presence expectantly. You have an audience with the King of Kings, the one who created this entire universe. And you're going to have some dry days. You're going to have some times when it's just like pulling teeth. It's just like it's hard and it's difficult. You're going to be reading through some passages of Scripture that, you know, it's got a bunch of names you don't know how to pronounce. It's got a whole list of, of lineage, lineages. But I was, I was reading in Matthew chapter 1. Um, on, on, actually, I started mine a day early because I knew I had grandkids in and I knew that the house was going to be pretty noisy. So I started early, a day early. And when I read Matthew chapter 1, the thing that stood out with me in the lineage of Christ were the women that were in that lineage. Some of them had pretty bad reputations like Rahab the harlot and Tamar that seduced her father. She was evidently disguised or her head was covered and she seduced her father and, and, and had a child by her father and yet Tamar was in the lineage of Christ. And I thought, there's the grace of God. How he can take a harlot like Rahab and use her and be a part of the, of the Messiah, the, the coming of the Messiah. So you can see things even in, in, in the list of genealogy. If you look closely, you can see how God worked his, his providential plan. So as you read the scripture, ask yourself, what does this passage of scripture tell me about what God is like? Is there a word that describes God? His loving kindness, His grace, His mercy, His, His, His power, His knowledge. There, there'll be a word perhaps in that passage that tells you about what God is like. And then ask yourself, what has God done? What does the passage of Scripture tell me about what God has done? Or in, in the New Testament, what Christ has done? And then what does this passage tell me about what man is like? It shows us our hearts. It shows us our sinfulness. It shows us our unregenerate nature. It shows us our need of repentance and our need of, of our weakness and, and our need of the spiritual strength that comes through a relationship with Christ. 
So what is man like and what does God want us to do? What does this passage tell me that I'm supposed to do? So what is God like? What is God like and what is God what does it say about that God has done? What is man like and what does God want us to do? Those are some things to look look for when you're reading through the scripture. So remember the three parts of a quiet time. It's talking to God, listening to God, and meditating on his word. Think about what you're reading. Think about it. Ponder it. Mull it over in your mind. And then as you read a verse of Scripture, is there an example for me to follow? Is there a command for me to obey? Is there an error for me to avoid in my life? Is there a sin that I need to forsake? Is there a new thought about Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit? And as you pray... Offer up prayers of adoration. Reflect on His greatness and majesty and sovereignty and give Him praise for who He is. As you pray, confess your sins to the Lord and name them one by one. As you pray, give thanksgiving to God. Thank Him for your blessings. And then as you pray, make supplication to God. Ask for specific needs in your life and in the lives of others. And don't substitute, as I said before, religious activity at church for your own daily quiet time. The Bible says in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and listen to that, the voice of God as He speaks to us through His Word. And as we commune with Him through our words of praise and adoration and confession and supplication, have a great journey in 2011 as you journey through the Word of God, as we journey through the Word of God together. When we come Wednesday night, as I said this morning, the ladies, you're going to go to the choir room. I've asked my wife if she would uh, begin uh, to facilitate with the ladies, and we'll be rotating some of the leaders in that group and she's going, to be, she's going to be offering up a, sort of an appetizer, devotional kind of thing based on something that she's read during the days leading up to Wednesday. So from Saturday, January 1st to Wednesday, you'll go through, what, four, uh, 16 chapters of the Bible in those four days. Surely there's something that all of us in 16 chapters, something that will be fresh, that God has spoken to our heart, that we've seen something maybe we've missed before, or something in particular that stood out on the page as we read those scriptures. Come prepared to contribute. Men, you come to the chapel. I'll lead the men. And come prepared to share something that you've learned in the Word of God, or something you've been reminded of that you already knew, or something that you... See in Scripture that maybe you overlooked when you've read it before. And as we share together, we can learn from one another what others have gleaned and others are learning. We can learn together and grow together as the body of Christ. So I encourage you to, to come and be a part. That's what we're going to be doing on Wednesdays for, for some time as we meet together sharing what we're learning, and then praying for one another and encouraging one another in the faith. And I pray that it'll be beneficial. I pray that you will find spiritual strength from being together with, with the ladies, being with other ladies, and men being with other men 
as we seek God together. Let's go to God in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us tonight of the importance of fellowship with you and using a a woman like Mary to remind us that we need to sit at your feet, we need to listen to your voice, and we need to commune with you and fellowship with you. I pray, God, for our congregation as we go through the Word of God together this year, that you would speak to us in new and fresh ways. I pray, God, that as we read the Scriptures, that we would confess our sins. As we read the Scriptures, Father, we would pray those Scriptures back to you. That we would take a Scripture that expresses the desire of the psalmist, for instance, and, Lord, we would pray that as our own desire. Help us, God, to delight in your word, to value it and treasure your word. Father, help us to be kept from sin as we hide your word in our hearts, treasure it in our hearts. Purify us. Renew our minds, O God. Help us to think the way you think. Put your thoughts into our minds and our hearts. And I ask this, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, Amen.